Hey everyone, welcome back to Joe on Joe. It's me, your host, Joe Slupsky, and we are back this week for an exciting episode of G.I. Joe, Real American Hero from the DIC episodes. Remember, this is the podcast, Joe on Joe, where we watch every single episode of A Real American Hero in sequential order, mystery science style, talk over it, and this week... The only person I want to talk over this episode with is my friend. She's a very talented writer. She's a storyteller. She's a filmmaker. She works in screen and television. Her name is Wendy Wilkins. Wendy, welcome to Joe on Joe. Joe! Hi, Joe. Oh, my God. It's so good to see your face. Oh, my God. It is good to see your face because you've just been in Chicago. You've been working on the production end on the TV show The Shy. Yes, correct. It's the second season. Second season off Showtime. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, and it, it was fantastic. It was great to be back in Chicago. It was great to be back to get paid to work somewhere else. It's <laughs> you fact, know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always great to be paid to be in Chicago. Yeah. That's always a great place. It was be. awesome. I went and did stand-up. I did improv. I made a whole batch of friends. ate a lot of pizza. Not deep dish, oddly enough. I'm not a fan, mm, but they have so much other pizza there. It's that, great. That was my former code name on the show, deep dish. And so I, you know, I got to say thank you for not eating deep dish. I appreciate it. But did you have any old style, which is my new, my new code name? Well, what do you name. consider old style? It's the beer old style. Oh, I did not. I'm not a beer connoisseur. Uh, okay. I'm I'm more of a girl drink drunk. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a good drunk. That's a good drunk. <laughs> My favorite kids in the hall sketch, by far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned kids in the hall. One of so when I met you, one of the very first things I learned about you, which immediately endeared me to you, is you worked on. Mr. Show. I did. I did all four seasons yeah. of that show. And yeah. You, uh, Mr. Show is just brilliant. What did you do on Mr. Show? You PA work? I had nothing to do with the brilliance. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did, though. Everyone helps uh, row, row in the right direction. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that kind of production where you end up doing like eight different jobs. So I yeah. was the assistant to the exec producer um, who was the director. So I was the director's assistant. I was the office coordinator. I was. Um, the audience coordinator. Mm-hmm. I also was a talent coordinator. So, um, so like whatever needed to get done, I basically did it. And without all that, the show doesn't get made. You know that, right? I like, understand. You know I that. completely I understand it. that. I didn't say you wrote it. No, I know. I'm I know. Saying you absolutely, and that right. is such a seminal show for people who uh, love comedy. First of all, yes, and just love yes. smart things. Yes, that yes. I think I, absolutely. It um it's funny they uh I think it was Rolling Stone who did like a ranking of the best um uh the best um sketches uh-huh. from Mr. Show. Yeah. And by f- I completely agreed with every one of them like exactly cuz I used to have to <laughs> back in the day before the internet uh mm-hmm. they would be like hey we <laughs> we need to give um ween or um oh what is that band called Weezer uh, Weezer because they were yeah. huge fans they were like Weezer's going on tour and they Didn't want all the episodes chocolate and cheese or they something. did which I absolutely <laughs> love that song <laughs> they're so wackadoo Weezer yeah. yeah but it was Weezer who was a huge fan of them yeah. as well along with Pearl Jam but they would be like hey they're going on tour and they want all the episodes up to date I'd be and they're like Wendy can you get it done I was like sure so I had a rack of like six VCRs oh my god and we would just take the master tape and I would tape them so like I've seen every episode if Oh, God, at least 500 times because I oh. I had to one watch it and call, quality control, make sure they're all good yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get them to the right people so they can watch them on the tour bus while they're out there. So like That's... I have seen all those sketches. And so I was like, yes, Rolling Stone got it right. And the number That's one great. was like the, 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 the one they did for number one was perfect. It was what um, was their number one? It was uh, 
the him the the, the oh, Everest hiker um james the the yeah the ever uh when what's he comes his name? home yeah and he comes home and he's telling the tale of yes, hiking yeah, up and, and he, he ends up keep falling, falling into the wall yes, yes, of thimbles yes, yes. it is that's jay johnston's brilliance he was such a great physical guy like i mean it is the number it is yes. like the best one yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's there's there, the, my my favorite like one line joke to just throw out with as a non sequitur i can't actually say on the show because we don't use foul language <laughs> on joe on joe but it's oh the, well, that's um, good to know because i might yeah, have yeah, done yeah, that i forgot to tell you that it's uh old iron sides <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so there it's, yeah it's just so great um i learned a lot it was a great bet, a great experience i'll yeah. bet and then that's and i think that speaks for me, that speaks to your versatility as a creative person. Oh, thank because you. Because you you are a very talented writer. You've got um, uh, a couple projects that have been recently uh, awarded. Right? You won a let's see your script the the script titled "Where the Men Are." You won like the best comedy script for the Creative World Award. Yes, that just happened in uh, November. It was awesome. It was super exciting. Uh, yeah, this the script had a life for the last five years. I've I made the top ten of Scriptapalooza. I went third place in this other screenplay competition called Comedy Screenplay. Um, I it it's done various numbers mm-hmm. of things, but this was like, and I kind of had put it away a little bit because I had other things that were on the competition circuit. Because when you're an unknown, that's what you do. Yeah. You you know, even when you don't have any representation what do you do you send them into script competitions and you figure out which ones are the better ones which ones actually like read them through and um don't base it on your sex because that Mm. does happen a lot of times where it's very male-centric the readers are male-centric the what they like is male-centric so then to break through as a female writer is hard you know um but um so it was awesome and i just was like well i hadn't never submitted it to this one i might as well just throw it out there and then i win it just like blows me away it's such a great thing and so with all of these competitions you know when you make it to that level they send them out to all different your log line out to different production companies and see if they bite and nobody's bit yet um but but one it's fresh out there it's still out there yeah completely it's an absolute compliment and it still has legs after five years it's like yeah that means that there's some validity to this script and it's a road picture comedy it's it's an homage to the 1960s fantastic film called where the boys are Mm -hmm. that really set a lot of questions out into society about should women play house before marriage and Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff and how women are viewed in our society and really the everything they talked about in that film still applies today it's a very interesting thing they it's kind of this universal thing about how we perceive women in in our in mm-hmm. our society and so i wanted to do uh, an updated version of it they have done sequels to this mm-hmm. like there's a one called where the boys are 84 with heather mm-hmm. Locklear, and they go to spring break and get high a lot and have sex i, I don't recommend like it i watched that as a young growing man i'm sure you did there's a <laughs> lot of boobs in it i had lots of boobs i don't recommend it and mine is more like a smarter version uh like a smarter like sequel to it That's so great. yeah that's so. great uh, and you've also written uh, a, a drama called Hometown. Yes. Which that's... has placed in some, uh, I know a place that the Austin Film Festival is like a quarter finalist. And right. And it's, it's getting some looks. Yes, that's a, that's a TV uh, hour-long pilot that's Excellent. dramatic but has sci-fi fantasy elements uh, to it. Oh, we're going to get to some sci-fi. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, and it really, like, I, I married two things that are very important to me. My hometown area in upstate New York. And alien abduction. 
Um, yes, and my <laughs> my mother was a huge sci-fi fan. I'm a big fan, but she was even was she? bigger sci-fi fantasy. Oh, read all the books. She was a kid that just never grew up, and it yeah. was great to have that as a mom. Took us everything, everything we can get our hands on. She she passed in '99, but she would have loved the explosion of DC Marvel, um, of uh, all the other comic book movies. Uh, yeah, all just of sci-fi that. right now is having a, yeah, it's having a moment. Completely. Yeah. So I I wanted to because um, a lot of areas in upstate New York and a lot of ho- small towns in America you know, industry is gone. And so the towns die Mm -hmm. and then the population goes down. And then what you're left with is aging population, not being able to deal with them medically and emotionally. Um, and then a lot of drug addiction and a lot of like poverty based stuff because there's not the tax base there anymore. So I wanted to take that world and highlight it because we don't see that on television. And then, but then also marry the, my mother's love of sci-fi and she never was able really to get out of our hometown area what hometown was it it's an area called binghamton new york i'm from a town called vestal um that's right next door to binghamton is there suny binghamton there is that is actually located in my hometown of vestal (laughs) because that's the big yeah so um it was like a perfect marriage of the two and i really i really love the the you know the world I created, because yeah. um, it's 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 a unique, it's a mixture of Gaelic mysticism and Native American, oh. um, um, Native American spirituality in there yeah because that's i come from that <laughs> i have a great. little bit of both so that's great. yeah i'm excited that's that's awesome so that that's called hometown yes so that's something for people to keep an yes. eye out for yes that's fantastic and um you're also now you're working on a short called insignificant yes which you're looking to get you've written it and the, the script has done well for you yes, and you're looking has. to get it actually shot yes which i can do i've made four short films um about 15 years ago and mm-hmm. i sort of took a break just to concentrate on writing but i had two short films that did really great on the film festival circuit and won a bunch of awards and love them um and so i'm like i'm itching to go back into directing and and getting out there and producing so um yeah i'm putting it together and hopefully you know um we can get it done fairly cheaply in january (laughs) if not the beginning of february but we'll we're gonna i'm gonna get it done i'm just i'm it's been too long since i've been behind the camera that's great and if and if that doesn't uh make it look like you're busy enough you're also writing and this is where we're going to roll into the sci-fi stuff you're writing for a website called uh omnarchy yes it's fat oh man and it's the sci-fi onion yes um, satirical futuristic news website it is so freaking funny it's set in the year 2168 okay and some very specific important things have happened between then and now there's Such been as? world war three oh and uh, machines all machines uh, have become sentient also all animals excellent and plant flora oh really yes oh. and so well um, then how how do how do so I've been vegan for a little bit. How do we deal with that? Well, like, if yeah. it's like I'm not going to eat an animal, I'm going to eat a plant. But now, what do we eat? What is going on here? Well, that is that is part of the, that is part of the lore that's there. Funny. Robots have taken over because humans have just destroyed the earth. And <laughs> the only way to get it back is because to have ro- it's robots. Funny because it. it's yes. true. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there are humans that are actively part of the robotic world. Um, there's something called the Mind Hive. And everybody's connected to the mind hive, and they have an implant. If you're a human, so I'm I'm hearing shades of Welcome to Night Vale. 
Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. shades of yeah. that with a sci-fi bent to it. Um, I was I've, I was reading a bunch of, of, right. of, yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. the articles yesterday, and um, I loved them. They're, and right. it's very it's very much like the onion. Like there's this yeah. sense of here's an insane story that I'm actually going to present to you completely without irony. This is what's happening. Right. The refrigerators yeah. have run amok. Or yep. there's. Uh, I was reading a Christmas one. Like there's clouds of sentient mistletoe. Yep. That are forcing people to make out with each other. And yep. this is just a thing that's happening. You might want to look out for. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so you you guys are all building this world. Uh, that you're you're sitting here describing this world, but it's all right. being built by this hive mind. Right. Is there a central editorial hand that like if someone introduces, so if someone were to come up with an idea and say. Um, I don't know, like the robots have destroyed South America. Literally, South America's gone. Is there an editorial hand that says, no, in our narrative here, South America can't be gone because we're using it for something else? So, so change the story like yes, that. Yes. I mean, the, the Omnarchy is fairly new. It started in March of this year. Okay. So we are currently in the process of creating all of uh, what has happened between then and now. Like a Bible. Like a manifesto. Oh, manifesto. And, <laughs> um, and so we are determining exactly what's going on. But then each week, whenever we have our meetings, we, mm -hmm. you know, that is part of it. We are creating this timeline between then and now. And in this world, there is a queen robot who's in charge of the Meinheim. Mm -hmm. And um she is the one that determines things so there is someone in charge oh that's great um and and we're part of what's wonderful about this is that we are creating a world that could happen in the future and every time we create something there's a news report about somebody else who's it's happened like it really has oh, happened like in, like so we're echoing. like this is an outrageous idea yeah. and then it actually like comes true it's really incredible that's that's really funny so yeah. everyone go go to uh you know on the web go to omnarchy.com o-m-n-a-r-c-h-y.com check that out while you're on the web check out wendy on instagram at wendy jean jean j-e-a-n and on twitter check her out at wendy loves chewy like chewbacca but spelled wrong. Yes, it was <laughs> 2008. I think I did it wrong. Whatever. Chewy as in a delicious cookie. Yes. <laughs> Wendy loves chewy delicious cookies. But um, check her out, guys, and find her and give her some love while you're out there. Find me at Joe on Joe Pod. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send me an email to Joe on Joe Pod at gmail.com. We've only got a couple episodes left of the show as in its current form. So if you want to be a guest, literally the slots are closing fast. Shoot me an email. Let me know if you want to uh, join me and we will talk some G.I. Joe. And before that, we're going to hear a little word from our sponsor. Joe and Joe listeners know that I love comic books, G.I. Joe, pop culture, and my wife and dogs are pretty great too. I also love learning how people get to where they're at and where they're going. All of that comes together over at the Dreamer Comics podcast, except for my family stuff. That'd be really weird. Omar Spahi interviews someone from the comic industry every episode, and they break down the journey that creator took to get from reading comics to creating them. Comic luminaries like Jim Valentino, Ross Ritchie, Kyle Higgins, and so many more can be found at dreamercomicspodcast.com or find them anywhere you get your podcasts. Everyone has a dream. Learn how to make yours a reality. All right. Now, speaking of G.I. Joe, Wendy Jean Wilkins, <laughs> tell me, what's your connection to G.I. Joe? Only through my brother, okay. um, because we were big, huge, huge, you know, Saturday morning cartoon people, yeah. for sure. Um, but we both had, we had ones that we watched together, like the Smurfs. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I wasn't into so much G.I. Joe. I think I would I would watch it every once in a while, but it it was maybe not. I was a tomboy, so but I didn't I didn't necessarily like connect with it at all. So with the sci-fi love that your mom had, were there like sci-fi-esque kids stuff that you did enjoy? Like maybe Transformers or GoBots or Thundercats or even what I'm thinking of, I'm seeing, looking at you, I'm thinking Thundar the Barbarian. Uh, yeah, honestly, none of those. None of those. <laughs> it's weird. I, I really loved, and I still do, things that are based in reality. Okay. I really love that. Um, so you're more like a Twilight Zone sci-fi. Yes, exactly. Love, like that kind of stuff. Twi- yeah. Okay. So like those kind of cartoony things made up. Like I, I remember watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, any Godzilla movie out there. Oh, oh awesome. my God! Yeah. You know, any yeah, of yeah. those Mothra, any of that kind of stuff. Absolutely loved. But the other stuff just didn't interest me. I don't. I'm not quite sure why. Because now as an adult, I'll I'll watch I'll watch it and I go, oh, this is actually interesting. Um, and I would watch every once in a while because you would get those uh, Japanese big eye, yeah, you know, ones. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like name S- any of Spectre them. Man. If it, when we were younger, Something Spectre like Man, that. Ultraman, I think was one of them. Yeah. I loved. Uh, I don't remember much of it, but I just loved Spectre Man because they had the greatest song, and it was and it was very much like. Uh, Power Rangers, where it was a dude oh, in a suit fighting, uh-huh, you know, fighting uh-huh. monsters, but it was like Spectre Man, dude. And I don't know what right, he did. Right. I don't know who he fought. I just he had an awesome outfit, and he would just come on, and they would play Spectre Man. Yeah, I was on, I was on board. I was in. Well, I just remember, you know, all the boys probably because I at a very young age I did like boys, um, but they would just sit at lunch and talk about Power Rangers like nonstop, and like this was even in like eighth and ninth grade, oh, and I, I'm just like I, I never liked yeah, Power so Rangers. that that just kind of like threw me off no. of that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh God, Power, they're geez, I, grow up. I, I could never go to I could Power Rangers was too stupid for me. Yeah, it was too literally stupid for me. <laughs> like the 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 Spectre Man's of the world and the Ultramans and um like all that stuff they were at least trying to elevate it they were trying to talk uh-huh. a little higher uh-huh. power rangers was like we're stupid and we're, you know like right. we're like we're gross so we're evil and i was like oh, oh no i can't i can't i can't like, i just oh. can't do it so um the reason uh i'm yeah. happy that you're on with the sci-fi is today's episode messenger from the deep mm-hmm. deals with Aliens encroaching on G.H.O. It's not the first time G.H.O. has met aliens. There was another couple episodes right. where, where some aliens kind of cruise through. Okay. And uh, but in the pacing on this is very similar. Okay. Um, see, I huge fan of Cat from Outer Space. So Cat from Outer Space. Oh, was that it's Disney, a Disney Disney movie? Yes. Oh my gosh. So like any kind of alien stuff, I'd like. I probably if they had more alien based. Saturday morning cartoons I would have been right there okay but like cat from outer space was awesome so like this kind of thing like water I grew up I was you couldn't get me out of the water this whole episode's underwater it's great I love it yeah and then having aliens part of it yeah it's and Ben Oz and Broodsticks thinking of aliens and water like do you know that Disney film I have not watched that movie since I was a young child so I don't remember don't they fight Nazis in that movie they do but in the middle of it they go underwater to this underwater sea village that's cartoon and then their live action it's Angela yes. Lansbury and yes, these kids yes. and, and Aquaman came uh, out this week oh uh, you know you know I so I mean we got a lot of water water love going yes, on this week yes. I'm not I'm he's I gotta be pretty honest. to look at I don't hear the film's great but he's I pretty to look at I don't love the movie yeah and uh the movie may have broken the spell that Jason Momoa has over my wife <laughs> 
Um, but it is, uh, it's very pretty movie. Uh-huh. It's a really gorgeous. And and what I think the most important thing that, that Aquaman did is it cracked the, the live action code for how to tell a story underwater. So I think this is... This, I the, didn't the, know that it was an issue. <laughs> well, well, the special effects. Oh, got you know, it. Be, uh-huh. Between being uh-huh. very expensive to shoot underwater, right. like live actors oh, underwater. I think about it. it. Okay. Like, you know, going back to like the water world of the mm-hmm. age. Like it was always... It's it's a difficult medium to do Even good, Titanic. Do well. Yeah. Exactly. They cracked it. So whatever techniques they right. used on this movie are freaking perfect. And and I hope they do I hope they do like a ton of live action underwater stories. Like tell me Atlanta stories. Tell me yeah. you know, Na- let's do Namor the Submariner. Right. Let's do all that stuff. I think that's they've I've always heard that that's been one of the uh like prohibitively expensive things about doing an Aquaman movie or doing a, a live action Atlantis movie where they were just you'd be underwater for maybe 10 minutes and then the rest would have to be an error because of all these limitations they cracked the code in aquaman so yes all that sci-fi water this this episode has it all i can't it, wait it's got it all it's actually it's not a terrible episode just reference for you this is the uh these are these are the episodes that are considered not as good right as some of the earlier episodes of jhr oh, kind of get to the tail end so oh, that's fine so there's the, some, there's the some, worse there's the better for me <laughs> yeah there's some awkwardness with this stuff so so i hope you bear with me but in, in general i i enjoyed this episode i think there's just some some issues some mm-hmm. some, some 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 excitement issues i think that we could have uh we could have addressed in the writer's room oh my god yeah. did you ever see it in like flint that series with James uh, Coburn, yeah, James. I was, yeah, James Coburn. Oh yes. my god, the, it's if anybody doesn't know out there, it is a parody of uh, the James Bond mm-hmm. movies, and it is so fantastic. And I remember seeing them and being like, I got comedy real young when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Like I got a sarcasm and parody very young, and so like I would see this. It, my brother and I would roll laughing. It was so much fun to watch him walk out of the water and just like the most absurd stuff. So yeah. the most. So you're okay uh, with absurd? Absurd and water. I'm I'm great with both. Well, of them. you know what? With that, uh, I don't I don't know what we're waiting for. So what are we waiting for? Bring, Tickets. Bring it up, baby. All right. So everyone, get your DVDs ready. It's uh, season two, disc two from the DIC collection, and we're watching Messenger from the Deep. And here we. Go. So, again, and I, I say this every episode, but I'm gonna, and I repeat that I say this every episode. But they start with cold opens on cartoons, which is really weird. Normally, I, cartoons start with theme songs, right? I yeah. love it. Isn't it great? Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great addition. So, Flint uh, is. Uh, oh, that that's is like cool. the one scene above water, and the rest of it, we're all underwater. And look right. at this amazing underwater city they find. Oh. It's sort of like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Very much so. Uh, Very and much also so. the one where they go into the body. What's that one? Oh, uh, Fantastic Voyage. Yes. Also, Inner Space. Uh, oh, is, yes. Inner Space is amazing. Oh, yeah. I think those are jet skis. Those are early. Those are, <laughs> those are G.I. Joe underwater jet skis. Well, it's funny. They're, they're, they're not... By the way, how can how could you have lasers underwater? But like that's another thing. Like that's a SpongeBob yeah, question. Cause, yeah, cause, it's, you know. yeah. You know, I mean, in general, lasers in general. Right. But... um. It's a, this is a good, by the way, I like wetsuits outfit. This is like V2 wetsuit. It's pretty hot. I like the black and yellow. It's a good look. Yeah, it's not connected though. So like his, 
He's got the mask thing, but then yeah, yeah, but the mask. Yeah. There's no tubing. Yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. yeah so. so one of the errant shots from these eels that are attacking uh, Wetsuit is, and they found the city. Is that his errant, name is Wetsuit yeah, in the black? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the errant shots from the eels hit this wall, and it kind of like activated a power source, and from that power source comes this giant electrified eel now that starts a real eel that okay. starts chasing the cobra eels and wetsuit well i feel like in my hometown which is full of ibm industrial waste is like oh, this is probably this a is pretty e- a real thing average, that could happen eel. yeah, yeah it could happen yeah, eel. yeah. <laughs> no the thing that i noticed immediately because the joes those aren't um the the sleds they're on the 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 you know underwater scooters, scooters yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, they're not real toys so they don't. I don't think they necessarily fit the Joe aesthetic here. Oh, like, like they, they didn't manufacture these to sell the kids. No, you would think like that the, they well, would. the Joes didn't. Most of the most of the stuff they did, uh-huh. but, but in this case, the Joes didn't have a submarine. You know, and they didn't oh. have like a submersible thing. I like would, that, that would have been like such a great opportunity. Kids would have been, been in well, the they, bathtub with it. Well, they, I mean, they did have a lot of water toys. They had uh-huh. a killer whale. They had a shark. They they had all that stuff. But sometimes on the show, they need specific things. Like in this case, an actual. Um, uh, submarine, you know, and they just never made a Joe submarine. Uh, they never made a Joe undersea skiff. Or well, that's like an that. opportunity missed. It is, but whenever they do that, I think it always looks a little weird. Like it doesn't. I don't know if it's just what I'm because I'm used to seeing stuff that I've already seen, or it's just the design of it. Is it's not the toy designers that were doing it. You know what I mean? These are the anim. These are the, the oh, cartoon. Got this is where it. I'm going with it. Yeah. The cartoon animators are saying we need a sky sled, so we're going to use our design design sensibilities to make this sea skiff thing. Versus the toys designers would come in and go, oh no no, it needs to look a little bit more like this. And that's uh, yeah. That's and it's always the case. And for both Joe and Cobra, whenever there's a toy that's not a vehicle that's not a toy uh-huh. there's always a slight subtle design difference and i wonder if any of our listeners have noticed that too and i and it doesn't mean it's bad it just right. means it always just seems a little out of place you would think by now do they still do that you would think like no. if you're going to create a show where you know toys are going to come out in the process of designing so this the is cartoon, from the deep, written by marv wolfman and noel watkins who are those oh are well marv wolfman's an amazing comic book creator oh okay yeah. great yeah i know well i'm not actually comfortable with but you're saying you would like, think they, would there would think, be some synergy there. Yes, you would have a joint kind of effort like, hey, we're creating this. Let's talk to the engineer mm-hmm. that could actually make it. Yeah. And then they could actually come out with a cool, cool yeah, yeah. toy. You know, yeah. I mean, I think um, I think one of the things is just you get into the production and you're like, hey, this episode happens to have a yeah. helicopter that we right. need. And, and they don't know if it's going to succeed and yeah, toys are down yeah. the line. So I get it. I get it. it. And then it ends up looking a little bit yeah. off. So now we've Scarlet's one of the crew that's going. Oh, down. I love that there's a tank at the bottom of this. It's at the bottom of the sea, and it's driving on the bottom of the sea. That is not how gravity works. How gravity works? It's not. It's not. Uh, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like it, you wouldn't. It would take forever. Right. You crawl the bottom of the sea when you're looking for something, not when you're trying to get somewhere. Yeah, Cobra that's Commander like the Destro least. Would take, yeah, yes. The least fast form of There's no roads. There's no paths. Wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden there was like a stop sign or like a yeah. sign that says to Cleveland? Where they you just know, run like, into SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> yeah. and, and his crew, and they're like, "Hold on a but second. Like, there's like codes yeah. and street signs somewhere. I yeah. gotta say, I love the red and white outfits that Cobra Commander Destro rock in this. Like that's that oh, was the, yeah the, that yeah, was like oh, that yeah. was their like scuba gear they were wearing. Uh, is that that's does not that a go? Toy. 
but that does that go with the uniforms that they wear on land? No, no, oh. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, it's a new look for them. There's, it's still for them from the head up. This is pretty diverse. They have a lady. They have a black guy. Oh, they have 100. percent Jejo's always been diverse from episode one. That they is always, great. Always have a strong female representation and always have a lot of minority representation. Right. The cobras do not have minority representation and that was done on purpose. purpose. The creators have said that right. that was one of the things they didn't want to portray African Americans as bad guys. There are no bad black cobras. Good. Like there were there was one episode where it was a cobra soldier that turned bad and that was it. But they never made a toy out of them. They, right. It is notable because there is one episode where they did it because the, they didn't want yeah. to show you know, right. pe- people, uh, minorities in, in that bad light. And by the way, when you're a kid, you don't notice that stuff. We're no. adults, we're noticing it, but right. we don't notice that stuff. Yeah. And that is so important, it man. Is. These guys. And they didn't preach about it. And, no. and now, this, uh, I, you know, we'll say the DSC stuff, because the toys, the shows feature the toys that were at the time. And at during this time, which is like 91, 92, 93, there weren't very many women in the toy line. They were phasing them out. It was really, it was one year that was just all They're dudes. still doing. They, yeah, they, I know. Oh, but this was the height. God, of, this was the, this was like the height Nuts. of it, really being right. like only Joe, only boys sell. So these shows, there were a few of these shows that didn't just didn't have any women on them. Right. But Scarlett, she's an OG, so whenever she shows up, it's always good. That you know what? As a kid, that might have been a reason why I wasn't attracted to this is mm. because they didn't have toys that I would have been attracted yeah. to, like a female. Yeah. Um, well, it was team it was, member you know, and that very, kind of stuff. It was very much boys' toys and girls' it's still, toys. It it's was, still I mean, that. It still is, but yeah. it's now you get. I think you get more things that are mutual, like well, Adventure finally, Time, yeah, Steven Universe. Right. You know, but when it comes to the action figure toys, right? Um, well, I, one, I don't even know how much action figure toys sell. I, the stuff right. I see is Star Wars. It's all the big, huge IPs: Star Wars yeah. and Marvel, and that's kind of it. You know, right? Um. I <laughs> I know somebody on Adventure Time and or I don't know if he's still there, but he was like, yeah, watch it. And I watched it. I was like, I don't get this. Nah. And he goes, that's because you're not a stoner. And I'm like, I am not a stoner. I do not get this at all. Um, but I, I have another friend, Mike Mayfield, who's a director on Mr. Pickles uh-huh. and, uh, and a bunch of other things. He's just fantastic. And so. He's just like a wealth of information. So if I ever need any, <laughs> I need to ask any questions, I just ask him. That's awesome. Yeah. So the Joes, uh, Cobra has caught up to where the Joes are. Now they found this hidden city. Okay. And so what we're really engaging in is just a, a traditional um, battle. You know, there's nothing special about this battle. Right. It's just Cobra's fighting G.I. Joe. Is this happens city. a lot, right? It happens quite a bit. And this is one of the things that's like, for me, doesn't make this show pop. Is that what attracted you to the G.I. Joe to begin with? Is these kind of battles that you might have out in the backyard with your friends or in the street? Well, like yes, that, but more of um, I think um, the diversity of characters. I like that. Even as a kid. Yeah, but not not in, not in a, like a socially diverse way. I mean, like more in a there's so many characters to learn about. It uh-huh. fascinated me. Like I loved reading the file cards. I loved learning about these characters. I didn't really care whatever. Did you love that they were beating up bad guys? Is that um, I don't know. Is, is that inherent in all kids? Like I liked, like that idea. I liked that they were doing good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I definitely identified with GI Joe, but I mean, sure, there's dude. I know there's dudes that always identified more the Cobra side of it, but mm. that wasn't me. I mean, I, I definitely liked GI Joe more. I had a lot more GI Joe. 
toys and figures right. than I did Cobra. Uh, but here's Cobra's looting this undersea um, place. Is it gems? Yes. Ooh, and uh, yes. the gems give power or something yes. along yeah. that line? Yeah, they, okay. I think they use, them, uh, they use them either for value or for, you know, power. That was weird. <laughs> so this this eel that's been swimming around right. just made Split a dude disappear. Two. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and and then here we go, split into two, two. eels. Yep. Yeah, it's qu- now there's four. Okay. Now, the the guys in red are Cobras, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's Cobra Those Commander. are the bad guys. He's, yeah. yeah he, Cobra Commander is the leader. I've heard the Cobra Commander name throughout my whole life. Never knew who he was, and now I have. Now you do. <laughs> now now I you do. do but this is not, I will say this. He doesn't normally look like that. I mean, this is them in their underwater Well, suit. he's a no pretty one, good. Uh, maybe he was an Olympic oh, swimmer as a kid. Swimmer. He's really yeah, good. He's an amazing <laughs> swimmer. He's just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, you know the voice. You've heard the voice. That, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Lotta, the same guy who did um, Starscream on Transformers. Um, oh, and now he gets oh, molested by an octopus. Yeah, as should happen. As it just should. reminds me of the guy. Japanese yeah. art. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tentacle tentacle porn. <laughs> Cobra, Cobra Commander has a run-in. That is uh, uh, quite Cobra interesting art. If you yeah. ever get to see it, please yeah, yeah. check it please out. Please avoid it. Yeah, please avoid <laughs> no, it. No, I say costs. check it out. At all costs. Check it out. <laughs> so, so basically, we're, we're going into commercial break with more eels. Today's file card features on the G.I. Joe Laser Trooper, codenamed Sci-Fi. His file name is Seymour P. Fine. His primary military specialty is in the infantry, and his secondary specialty is electronics. His birthplace, Geraldine, Montana. Sci-Fi lives in a slow-motion world. He takes everything real easy, and he's never in a hurry to get anywhere or do anything, but that's what it takes to be a laser rifleman. At a range of two and a half miles, the impact spot of laser light will jump 100 feet for every one thousandth of an inch movement at the source. That spot has got to be held on target long enough to burn through that source, otherwise it's no more harmful than a warm breeze. Quote, when Sci-Fi braces his weapon and sights in on a target, he becomes a rock. No discernible movement of any kind, birds perch on top of his helmet, he transcends mere stillness to another plane of immobility. You don't even see the trigger finger move. It's like he wills that beam of light to stab the darkness. I always dug sci-fi, even though he was kind of the like the the, the tip of the spear for that new neon-colored era of G.I. Joe, where things weren't as realistically flavored and a little more, you know, in this case, literally sci-fi, pun intended. But I liked him, though. And as far as, like, laser trooper go, troopers go, I know we had Flash, but... Sci-fi like seemed to take that to another level because he had all the gear, right? So at least Flash looked like another soldier, and then he just happened to carry a laser rifle. Sci-fi was like, no, 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 I gotta have a whole uh, whole outfit and 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 a jumpsuit and uh, a helmet that's special and and everything. However, Sci-fi had a hose that was very cool. He also had a great episode where his brother and he were at a, quote, sci-fi convention, which was also awesome. I like that little bit of character that they added to him. So I'm dig him. I dig him. Uh, I dig him a lot on the cartoon, and I really liked the toy uh, as a kid. And so Seymour P. Fine, we salute you. I almost wish the old commercials so were on. <laughs> the, the, just, it's, it's all this eel attack. That's okay. what this whole thing is. It's all about these eel attacks. Yeah. And... And we're we're almost halfway through the episode, and and what bothers me is 
there's aliens. There's going to be aliens in this episode. Let's get to the yeah, aliens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not just deal with an electrified eel that's seemingly sentient. Right. That's not interesting yeah. enough for me. And I, you know, I love Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman's written some of my favorite comic books. Right. Period. Dot. End of story. Right. He's a super nice dude. I've had a chance to meet him a few times out here. He's awesome. Marv. You missed the boat on this. Well, is you said what years for this? 90? Oh, it's like 92, 93. Yeah, yeah. That's, 92 is when I first moved to L.A., so this oh, yeah. was not on my queue to watch. Oh, but, yeah. But it could have been a year where, like, maybe there was some... Uh, there was some heavy partying going on, and he well, was just like, you know. Maybe, maybe. You know? I mean, maybe. Um, he, I mean, at this point, his. I'm speculating, his obviously. His comic book but heyday would have been about uh, five years earlier and, and, and for the prior 10-year run. It's like he was, Marv uh, is the, you can't say he's the creator of the Teen Titans, but he created the new Teen Titans, uh-huh. which is the ones that really made were popular right. with yeah. Starfire and Cyborg and Changeling and, and Robin and, and Raven. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the most popular DC comic throughout the entire eighties. He then wrote crisis on infinite earths. Um, he wrote it. He's written a ton of stuff, but those are his two big resume things. He walks in and says, hi, I created the new teen Titans and hi, I wrote crisis on infinite earths, which completely changed the game at DC comics. That's all you need to get in any door. And, yes. it's, and, and, it's, and, and can... it should be because right. he's amazing. So now he took that, and that was 80 from like 1980 to like 1985, 86. So now he took that, and now he's parlaying that into Hollywood money. Yeah, and I can see, awesome. based on every other story out there about yeah. having success and moving on, you you know, you... You trade up, yep, and, and, and he traded up to a paycheck, and yeah, and I could see him trying. I could see him totally yes. trying, but yeah. I could also see and, him probably going, uh, not putting in enough effort and thought because he's got maybe a ton of other things going mm, on, well, no, or maybe he's no, partying. Step, I'm gonna step. No, I'm gonna step back from both those. Okay, I, those are both personal things. Well, I, that's I, what interests me is yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. story I'm behind not, yeah, the no, story. I'm not, yeah, but we're we have no way of knowing that. So I'm gonna yeah. step back from that. Okay. But what I am gonna say is a lot of the stuff was driven by toys, and so you had to yeah. feature the barracudas. You had to feature yeah. the underwater, uh, you know, all the underwater right. vehicles that they're using. Um, and what this episode does do really well is it doesn't introduce stupid. So many times on these shows, there would be like one or two characters that are just dumb. Yes. And they're dumb I hate for that. quote comedy relief. Yeah. You know, like they're the yeah. silly, they're the uh, <gasps> man they're race. The, the, uh-huh. puck, the puck of the thing. Like the, right. the, you, you, they think that they need a childish character to make children entertain. Right. This episode has none of that. Well, I do appreciate that. Yeah. The, the not talking down to kids. Yes. And, and yeah. anything it's out just there just when I a was a kid. Literal tank right. driving on the bottom of the ocean. Right, right. <laughs> anything out there when I was a kid that didn't talk down to me, that just like l- let kids figure it out. Yeah. Like, and even though it's not a cartoon, it's uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. Still my f- so one good. of my favorite sci-fi films. <laughs> that was my first uh, Lady Boner was Richard Dreyfus. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And... I was in Jaws. But not once did I ever feel talked down. There's some heavy stuff. His wife leaves him because she thinks he's going crazy. He thinks he's going crazy. I mean, he's having a a nervous breakdown. It's a real Stephen working some things out movie. 
completely For, in a real and never way. did I need to be talked down to and yeah. it's still my favorite film yeah. from back if then. You're, if you're if you know if you know a kid going through any kind of like parental divorce or any kind of situation oh, like that which I was. you hand him ET yeah. and Close Encounters and you put him in a room and you yeah. just, just watch these kids yep. and you'll be okay. Things will be all right. Things will yeah. be all right. You'll get <laughs> For through. sure. Whether For either sure. you get abducted right. or or <laughs> Right, exactly. or your friend gets abducted. Yeah. One of the two movies. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It all so worked out these two for the better. By one of the masters. Yeah. So let's talk sci-fi movies. What kind yeah. of what kind of sci-fi movies resonate with you? Like I said, Close Encounters, Star Wars. To this day, still. To this day, these are ones I will constantly watch. Logan's Run. I adore Logan's Run. Oh my I god! I adore it. I adore it. I adore it. Love it. Um. <laughs> I wish I had prepped. I, I, I um, let me go through. You you name some. Omega Man. Nah. The Charlton Heston Omega Man. Soylent Green. We're going to commercial. We'll be back with a few. Hey listeners, if you're anything like me, all apologies to your family. I just kidding. It's likely that they made you this way. No, I'm talking about that. I'm always looking for more GI Joe content, and I think I found it. Stop what you're doing. Okay, don't stop listening to this podcast. Can't you multitask? And go to Facebook slash Special Mission Force. Brian Wilkins is curating all kinds of wonderful, nostalgic G.I. Joe content, including new pics from his fantastic Instagram page, at Special Mission Force. On his Instagram, he's taking photos of Joe's out in the wild, in the real world, doing stuff. For me, the two things that stand out the most are his variety of characters that he takes pictures of and like the depth of field in these pictures. It's just a wonderful job of directing focus for you. I think you really will enjoy his work. So like him on Facebook, follow him on Instagram and Twitter, and get ready for his website, specialmissionforce.com. He's a name to watch in the GHO game, so get on board now. Now back to the show. Those are like my old school classics. I love, I love the original Time Machine, the George Pal Time Machine. Uh, I yes. think that movie's just wonderful. I do enjoy um, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yes. Um, the uh, the 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 one with Leslie Nielsen where they go to the other planet. It's uh, where he plays it totally straight. It's got it's the, the one that like Lost in Space riffed a bunch from. Ah, I'm blanking on that right now. Journey. Fantastic, no, Fantastic Voyage, Journey, anyway, Forbidden, Forbidden Planet, Forbidden Planet, oh, yeah, it's okay, great. yeah, um, there's the more H- modern ones, obviously, Terminator, oh, is, oh, Terminator oh, yeah, 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 is yeah, yeah. just everything, um, you can't get alien away from and alien, actually, Alien, Aliens, I think there's a lot to like in Alien 3, but just the Alien franchise, I adore, right. Well, Cat from Outer Space, we already talked Cat about that. Cat from Outer Space, we discussed. <laughs> we discussed. Um, I, when I was a kid, I loved the TV show Misfits of Science. Do you remember that with no, Courtney Cox? No, I did not. Yeah, I it was did like it was like one. five people who got uh, who got bad results from science experiments. Oh, and there was a, the really tall dude, Peter something, um, black dude who played. He played Harry in the Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. Okay, really tall. You know the actor. He's died. Yeah. He passed away a few years ago. Super tall. Uh-huh, like seven uh-huh. five. He played a super tall scientist, but he, he could shrink really small. Right. Um, and Courtney Cox was on it. I forget what her power was, but there was like they all had really stupid powers, <laughs> and it was great. I loved it. Well, there's that one um, um, where um, Jack the Ripper and Jack's back. No, no, no. And um, is it H.E. Wells that they yeah. go to yeah, yeah, the modern day yeah, yeah, yeah. to yes. 70s New York yes. and then yes. they yes. fight yes. each yes. other? Yes. Yeah, that Roddy one. McDowell. Yes, exactly. Yes. That one. Love that so one. Good. So good. So good. This is exciting on the show. The Joes have been captured in like, an, speaking of aliens, like mm-hmm. an alien-esque stasis pod. 
Oh, God. Yeah. So finally, this is what I'm saying. We're in the third act. We're finally, this is awesome stuff. Yeah. I wanted them this to happen in like the second act. <laughs> so that we get more of what's right. happening. Here. Finally. Yeah. Oh, my God. What is that thing? Um, Bioscan? Totally. See, and now we this get is 92. an alien voice. Yeah. See. And this is a lot. This is pulling a lot. Um, uh, uh, the Abyss. Mm. James Cameron's The Abyss. When did that that came I out? I think that was ninety. I think that was oh, okay, then. Or I can it was see right that. I love how that filters into yes. like every other. And so we get we get look at this. This is a straight up alien. I love it. Look a at that straight up alien. That's see, awesome. I go, I go more sci-fi than I do fantasy. Hmm. I like. Sci-fi I got. More I got I, a good I love, mix. I like Lord of the Rings, but I right. I much would prefer a sci-fi right adventure. Yeah, yeah, I could take. I can leave Lord of the Ranks. I remember I wanted to watch 2001: A Space Odyssey, and uh-huh. my dad worked for the cable company, so we had every cable channel. <laughs> and he was did. like, "I can't be a of hypocrite. You I did. can't be a hypocrite. If you guys want to watch it, watch whatever you want. Just know that the stuff's all fake. So, like, at yeah. any age, we can watch it." And I remember watching the first 20 minutes of it, and it's just those dumb cavemen. Yeah. And I get it now as an adult, but I yeah. was like, where's the aliens? Where is the space? And I was so infuriated. I turned it off and didn't watch it for another 10 years because uh, I know, had no idea. I never, when I was a kid, I did try to watch it because, uh, because of Star Wars. Yeah. And I never could watch it. I never even tried to watch it. I, I the, the ape men turned me off. I saw right. it. I really watched it in college. And that's why I fell in love with it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The Abyss was 1989. Oh, so, yeah. So that definitely, I can had, see it, that, that definitely yeah. had an impact here. Yeah, for so, sure. But, like, this is all crazy, fascinating stuff. And the last right. time the Joes met an alien, it was the same thing. Where like the aliens showed up. They did a thing that affected the Joes. And then they show up at the end. They're like, all right, we're out of here. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I want you to hang out with these aliens. So what's happening? What is she doing to them right now? Well, she's... Um, She's warning them about how conflict is going to destroy the planet Earth. Oh, I actually so like that a, message. Oh, it's a lovely message. All right, so I take it back that he probably was partying yeah, and all yeah, that no, other no, no. stuff. It's a lovely message, and I think it's really great. I just, I, as I far think as, he like, probably as as, had pressure of people, we got to get all the battle yeah, stuff in, and then right. and then what, this is the stuff he really wanted to talk about saying. throughout the whole thing. That's that I get. Saying. Okay, like, I get that. More because it, but maybe he was partying and also doing this, but yeah. 130 some episodes of. Just Joe's fighting cobras. If right. we're going to go aliens, let's go aliens. Let's yeah. get weird, man. Let's go uh, like full yeah. retard on let's this. Get, <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's go full. It. So speaking of going full, Wendy, yeah. one of the things we love to do on this podcast is I like to ask my guests if you could be a member of the Joe or Cobra team, yep. which would you be? What would your specialty be? And then what would your name be? Well, okay, I'm going to play into my strengths. Mm-hmm. And um, besides being creative, I'm also very good at organizing. And I have a Tetris brain. What? So I'd be GI Tetris. GI Tetris. And I, love it. I would be part of the logistics team um, with planning all their stuff, like making sure they had all their equipment, doing checklists, you know, making sure they have all their uniforms, you, getting all the yes, like, vehicles ready yes. and all that other stuff. So I would be in charge of logistics. So that. I know it seems like a dumb job, but somebody's got to be doing that. That's the one great thing about my ex. He would always like, he would watch something and go, who, like he he saw Divergent and he's like, okay, what faction takes care of all the trash? What faction, like he was, Ah. who cooks for everybody? Like it was hilarious. Like he was always like, is there not another faction that does all that stuff? And literally that is like, yeah, you're so right. So like who is behind getting them all together? Oh, they're all all pledging their peace. 
Oh, to this alien. Please, like we need more of that in the right. world. It's a lovely sentiment. It is. I, it's too bad it's sentiment. the last five right. minutes. Like I wish, I wish it would have been a two-parter. Yes, exactly. Like, give us a first half. Finally, normally on two-parters for these right. DIC ones, uh-huh. there's never enough plot to to justify a two-parter. This is what we find all the time. Yeah. There's. It's always like they. There's just they're stretching it out. In uh-huh. this one, I could have gone for one episode that was just Joe fighting Cobra, and then right. at the end you reveal, oh my God, there's aliens. Then, then give me another half to hour be continued. where the Joes team up with the oh, aliens, God, yes. and then they fight Cobra and they have to save the yeah. planet and stuff. Oh my God, that would have been amazing. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I like this episode, but I just I feel like it's there's more there that we could have had. Yeah, more there we could have had. Well. Yeah. GI Tetris. Yeah. What did you think? What did you think overall? Like big picture GI Joe. I, I, you know, I get the appeal. I totally get why boys would like it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as a tomboy myself, I would, I think I probably would have liked it more if it was more about that last five minutes. Yeah. Right. You know, and like I said about story yeah. and stuff. I, I am really like, I, I'm just attracted to story. My favorite TV show when I was 10 was. Um, St. Elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Because that was a show that like made you laugh and made you cry. Mm-hmm. And if I'm at 10 emoting like that so much, <laughs> I need a little bit more in my also, cartoons, also, you know? St. Elsewhere is uh, literally the TV show where absolutely every TV show that has ever been on television exists. Do you know this? Wait, what? Do you know this? So St. Elsewhere. Yes. Because of the ending. You yes. know how it ends with yes. the little autistic yep. kid yep. with St. Elsewhere being in a snow, snow globe. globe. Yep. All in St. his mind. St. Elsewhere had major crossovers yes. because the writers were from other TV shows. So yes. They would bring in characters from yes. other TV shows. Yes. So those crossovers place St. Elsewhere in the same universe right. as shows like Knight Rider and uh-huh. uh, All in the Family and so on and so forth. And then that spider web moves to those shows and on Knight Rider... That was a crossover with Star Trek because they were Star Trek writers on Knight Rider. So they wrote one of the characters that uh, helped create the, I guess in Star Trek lore, was one of the guys that helped create the hyperdrive. They used his name as a character. They used him as a character on a a rando episode of Knight Rider, right? So that puts Star Trek in the same universe as St. Elsewhere. Then there was a character from MASH that showed up on St. Elsewhere. And then... Then that same character puts them in the same universe as um, as uh, well. No, wait, no. Isn't Saint Elsewhere? Isn't Saint Elsewhere the sequel to Mash? No. It's because Trapper Trapper John. What was the hospital that was? It's the, called Trapper John MD. That was right. The okay, sequel that to when Mash. that was the sequel to Mash, yeah. right? So then there's characters on Trapper John that crossed over somewhere. So you see where I'm going with this? I yeah. There's no. a website that chronicled this. Okay. And that's I'll where that's where up. I'm getting this information okay. from. And it literally puts, like, up till that point. Like, right. Oh, X-Files happens in the yep. same Sunny Elsewhere universe because of all this stuff? Okay. It is the absolute origin of everything because they did that one final scene. That is fantastic. I've never dug that deep, even mm-hmm. though it is my favorite drama of yeah. all time. Um, I will tell a little backstory. Um, that show is created through the studio MTM, which is Mary. It's not Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, but it's her husband. Okay. It it doesn't stand for Mary Tyler Moore. It's just the studio that her and her husband had. Oh, interesting. And they created The White Shadow and yeah. It Is Enough and a whole slew of shows. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense that all of those people, all of those other shows, are connected because every young actor that worked on that on his shows, he said. 
acting may not be the thing that lasts forever, so you're going to have to learn something else. So he basically told them all, learn to be a writer, director, or producer. And their tentacles are out there. Eric Mm -hmm. Laudeville, who played a janitor on St. Elsewhere, Mm -hmm. is now one of the most highly regarded television directors out there, along with Tim Van Patten who is won Emmys for The Sopranos, and Tim mm. Van Patten was on The White Shadow mm. as Salami. And my favorite episode of St. Elsewhere, Salami's in the episode, but he's playing uh, this kind of drug-addicted guy who got his girlfriend pregnant, and she's going to have the kid in the hospital. Mm. And he kind of keeps going in and out. And Eric Laudeville's a janitor there. And another guy from The White Shadow shows up, and he sees Eric Laudeville, and he goes, Hey, and he calls him by his name. From, um, uh, oh, from, Eric, from, from, from White Shadow. From yeah. the White Shadow. Yeah. And the guy goes, I don't know who you are. Yeah. And like, it's, hila- it's like well, one of my favorite, well, favorite episodes. So that's now it one makes of the sense. Tendrils. Yeah. That's one of the tendrils. It because is. then that, e- even if they're saying that that's the guy who was on Elsewhere isn't right. the same actor, it means the other guy is the same character from right. White Shadow, putting him in that universe. And when I was in Chicago, Eric right. Lauderville like, stopped by our office to say hi to one oh, of our other directors. Awesome. I was like, oh my God, Eric Lauderville, oh, I, I love, love, I love you. And he was so sweet. He was like, oh my God, thank you so much. That's amazing. And that, I'm not surprised to hear you tell that anecdote and that, that you, you got your finger on that pulse because Wendy Wilkins, that is what you do. You do everything and you do it well. <laughs> you do it with an energy that's unrivaled, a positivity that is unrivaled. Yeah, Find Wendy you. at Wendy Jean on Instagram, at Wendy Loves Chewy on Twitter, and just support Wendy. Guys, give her some love. Wendy, thank you. Give for being Joe a part. some love. Thank you for being part of this and introducing me to G. Oh my God, your world, your world is now. It will never be the same. It won't. Peace, man. Peace, peace. Man, peace. That's all it's about. And now you, Joe, and Joeing is half the battle.